The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. America is in the middle of an affordable housing crisis. Mortgage rates are at their highest in two decades, and the supply of homes for sale is near a record low. In the middle of all of this, the vast majority of new homes that are being built are in communities like homeowners associations, or HOAs. That means they come with extra charges attached on top of a mortgage. There are a lot of costs associated with living in an HOA, among them are just the regular monthly dues, and those could be below $100 a month. They could be $1,000 in a more expensive community. You also often have to pay assessments for upkeep and maintenance. My colleague Sarah Holder is a reporter for Bloomberg covering urban politics and housing, and she's recently been digging into the influence of HOAs. HOAs are a large and growing share of the U.S. housing market. Nearly a quarter of the country lives in HOAs or something like them. And part of living in one of these communities means following the rules they've set. These rules can seem petty, but if people don't follow them, there can be pretty big consequences. And the power of these associations to enforce their rules can threaten sustainable home ownership. Today on the show, we'll meet a family that's learned all of this the hard way. This used to be somewhere we felt safe. We felt like, you know, like home, sweet home. And now it doesn't feel that way. We'll also talk about how HOAs can offer the hope of affordable housing, but in reality, hold it just out of reach. And we'll hear what the government is doing or not doing to address the power of HOAs. These are basically private governments that are really under-regulated, critics would say, by the federal government. This is The Big Take Washington from Bloomberg News. I'm your host, Saleya Mosin. In 2016, Naomi Mendoza Alea's family bought a new house. It was bigger and pricier than their old one and was in an HOA community called Green Valley Ranch. Picture cream-colored houses with beige roofs, each spaced evenly apart, and the occasional basketball hoop visible against the horizon. It was safe. It felt comfortable. Neighbors were friendly. It just felt somewhere where, you know, you could eventually be there for a while. That was the idea. Just like a lot of us, Naomi's dad hoped his kids would inherit the house one day. And making it their own became his passion project. He added a deck in the back and remodeled the inside. So my dad at the time really enjoys a lot of black. So... We have, like, marble floors, black cabinets. It was a family effort. Naomi's stepbrother even came from Mexico to help. Soon, the house on Kirk Street had become a gathering place for their community. We'd sometimes just throw parties for no reason, just like, hey, come over, let's have some music. We're Hispanic, so we had a lot of Mexican um, dishes all the time. Any small event, it would kind of always be like, hey, you guys can celebrate it here. Like, this is your home, just as well as our home. 
My colleague Sarah Holder told me that HOAs were basically invented to make suburban life feel idyllic. The seeds of what we now think of as HOAs kind of started in the 1910s and the 1920s with the rise of these community builders. This is no mere collection of homes, but a carefully planned community. Think cookie-cutter houses, perfectly trimmed lawns. Among the promises of HOAs were offering shared spaces and handling all the community upkeep, like making sure the roads were always freshly paved and clear of snow. The sun and air and open green are part of the design. Safe streets and quiet neighborhoods are not just matters of good luck. They're built into the pattern and built to stay there. The developers who built these communities wanted them to stay that way. So they created rules governing the people who lived there. The idea was to keep the neighborhoods as idyllic as they were designed to be. You can't start a gas station. You can only build a home. You can have a white house. You cannot have a pink house. Back in the early days of HOAs, that also meant governing who could live in the community and who couldn't. Some HOAs had rules excluding people of color and people from certain religious groups. They were able to codify segregation within their borders. Apart from segregation, HOAs, like so many things, come down to money. The developers said that all these rules were rooted in their desire to protect property values. They thought that if they had this kind of control over a neighborhood, the value of these homes would stay the same over a long period of time. And this system of rules continues to this day in hundreds of thousands of HOA communities around the country. So that's where these things like you can't have a basketball hoop or you can't have shutters or you can't not have shutters come into play. Those rules and regulations that all residents have to abide by are part of what make HOAs appealing places to live. Some people like the idea that their neighbors can't let their lawns go untrimmed or blast music late at night. But the HOA board can take enforcement of these rules really seriously, and they punish residents who don't comply. In March of this year, Naomi's mom got a phone call from a number that she didn't recognize. She actually thought it was spam. But for some reason, she she answered, and when she answered, they told her, hey, like, I'm the new owner's mom, just calling to let you know that your husband, like, doesn't own the house no more. At first, they were sure there had been a misunderstanding. But then my dad kind of was like, well, let me just double check with, like, the realtor that sold us the house. Um, he called the realtor, and the realtor was like, yeah, I wasn't aware of this, but, like, your name isn't on the title anymore, it's under someone else. And they kind of got us all in shock as we were all kind of like, well, you know, like, what do you mean? Like, how, how is that even possible? Before that fateful phone call, Naomi's family had been happily living in the Green Valley Ranch community. There was one thing, though, that had been nagging at them. The HOA had been docking them for a laundry list of violations. Things that, to Naomi, seemed pretty inconsequential. Oil stains on the driveway. We had this tree that was growing on the side of our house. They wanted us to take it off since it was dying. Garage doors painted two different shades of beige, a broken window, then another after their home was vandalized. We called someone to come see if we could repair, you know, both windows. Turned out to be way more than we thought it would be. So it was like, well, we have to prioritize one or the other. The HOA wanted these things fixed, so they sent the family letters in the mail. 
Naomi says her family was focused on staying on top of their mortgage payments and their taxes, not addressing HOA infractions. We weren't doing it on purpose, and they kept being on our butts about it. When the HOA didn't see the violations being addressed, they charged Naomi's family a fine. Her family didn't realize that those fines, which started off in the low hundreds, could quickly balloon if they went unpaid. The HOA tacked on late fees and legal fees to pay for the attorneys the board employed to enforce the rules. It all added up, and eventually, Naomi's family owed the HOA over $6,000. And then came that call in March, the one that delivered the news that their house had been sold. My dad told us, if someone comes to the house and tries to evict you, stand your ground just because, you know, we were still in doubt. And then we later found out that we weren't the only ones that this has happened to. We'll get to that after the break. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. We're back with the story of Naomi Mendoza Olea and the HOA that took her family's home away. Naomi says that her family had no idea that unpaid fines could actually lead to losing their home. But my colleague Sarah Holder told me that this can happen because of a specific power HOAs have to enforce their rules. HOAs can get a lien on a property, which is essentially the ability to hold on to a piece of property until someone pays the debt that they owe you. Think about what happens if you don't pay a mortgage. The bank can take your home. And in Colorado, where Naomi's family lives, HOAs can get what's called a super lien, which means an HOA that's owed money can claim the property, even over the bank. These super liens or priority liens, they're meant to give HOAs first dibs on the proceeds from a foreclosure sale. So during the 2008 financial crisis, for example, it ensured that HOAs that were owed money were paid back before the bank if homeowners defaulted on their mortgages. And HOA advocates say this is so that you don't have to pay for the mistakes of your neighbors. But in some states, an HOA super lien can wipe out that mortgage entirely, and that allows HOAs to to move to foreclosure and really be ruthless in getting that debt paid off. The HOA ended up selling Naomi's family home at a foreclosure auction for just $85,000. It's not even, like, close to what my dad even bought it for. It was like, how is that house worth such little amount of money now? Especially because, you know, we remodeled all the inside. It has a deck. Like, it is worth more than they sold it for. Zillow estimated the house was worth over $550,000. That's more than six times what the HOA sold it for. The HOA and their legal representatives did not respond to a request for comment. In legal documents, the HOA said that they had reached out to Naomi's father about what was happening and didn't hear back. Naomi says that communication never reached him. They claim that they served my dad papers, but there's this miscommunication with my dad. He doesn't 
speak English fluently and like they say that they served him the papers at the house that we currently live at where he hasn't lived there for four or five years already. We reached out to the HOA for comment and they didn't respond. Naomi says the realization that her family was losing their home was crushing. I know how hard my parents have worked for that home so it could stay and be, you know, inherited to us. That for it to be snatched, you know, from one day to another is very, like, heartbreaking. It was also, like, what happens now? We could have been evicted at any second without us having nowhere to go. And, like, you know, everything economically has been so expensive that it was, like, how are we going to do this? The family is currently challenging their foreclosure in court. And Bloomberg's Sarah Holder says she spoke to several other families in a similar position. One of the things that I learned in this reporting is that not everyone knows what they're getting into. And they felt that they had achieved one part of the American dream, which for years has been homeownership. You know, they had settled in this community They had bought a house that was affordable to them at the time. They were paying their mortgage. And the HOA rules and the punitiveness of this HOA was threatening to destroy that. While there's no national data on HOA foreclosures, reporting from the Colorado Sun found that since 2018, HOAs have filed about 3,000 foreclosures in the state. About 8% of those homes have been sold at auction. Bloomberg News reached out to the Community Associations Institute, a lobbying group representing HOAs. Their spokesperson, Don Bauman, told us that while communities should allow time for due process, having the power of foreclosure is a matter of fairness. That way, she said, community members don't have to make up the extra costs if their neighbors aren't paying their share. Bauman also emphasized that HOAs offer potential homebuyers an affordable and worthwhile investment opportunity. But stories like that of Naomi's family are getting attention, and lawmakers in some states have started to take action. In California, Governor Gavin Newsom signed a law to cap HOA fee increases. In North Carolina, a bill to make it harder to move to foreclosure is working its way through the state Senate. And in Naomi Mendoza Alea's home state of Colorado, a new law took effect in the summer of 2022. Among other things, it capped the interest rate on unpaid HOA fines and barred foreclosures triggered by minor violations. It now requires HOAs to repeatedly communicate violations to homeowners. For Naomi and her family, it was too late. A lawyer filed the paperwork that set off the foreclosure process just two days before the new law went into effect. But some people believe that there is more that needs to be done on a national scale to protect homeowners like them. Michael Neal is a researcher at the Urban Institute focusing on housing finance policy. Neal used to work at Fannie Mae, a federal mortgage lender. He pointed out that higher prices don't just limit a person's ability to buy a home— There's also the issue of sustainability. That is, if I'm not able to pay my mortgage because I've got, you know, a high payment with higher interest rates, plus I've got the high HOA fee, in times of stress where I might lose my job, I might be less likely to actually uh, make all of those payments. Which isn't just a risk to individual homeowners. 
too many people defaulting on their mortgages can tank an economy. That's a lesson we learned the hard way in 2008. I asked Neil about what the HOA spokesperson said, that HOAs offer potential homebuyers an affordable investment opportunity. He told me that the data doesn't necessarily back that up. Generally, the research suggests that the presence of an HOA, so not the level of the fee, but the presence of an HOA um, typically coincides with higher house prices. While some state and local lawmakers seem to be tracking the complications that come with HOAs, so far, the federal government hasn't said anything. I reached out to the Department of Housing and Urban Development, and they told me that they had no comment on HOAs. I also tried tracking down a number of former federal government officials, anyone who could give me a window into the conversations around HOAs from the inside, and no one would talk. As for Naomi and her family... They're stuck waiting for their day in court. Their case was recently delayed until March, which Naomi says is a relief because it gives them a few more months in their home. But it's uncomfortable to live in a place that could be taken away from them at any moment. If they have to move, Naomi says it won't be to another HOA. This used to be somewhere we felt safe. We felt like, you know, like home, sweet home. And now it doesn't feel that way, so... Whether we win the house back or not, I think we still kind of want to move from there just because we don't feel like it's our home no more. Thanks for listening to The Big Take from Bloomberg News. I'm Saleya Mosin. This episode was produced by Julia Press, Anna Mazarakis, and Naomi Shaven. It's part of a special series from our DC newsroom. Blake Maples is our mix engineer. Our story editors are Wendy Benjaminson, Mike Shepard, and Caitlin Kenny. Sage Bauman is our executive producer and head of podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. I'll be back next week. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.